0: Okay, I made a mistake. My first mistake. But they say guys like me coming out of jail usually wind up coming right back.
1: I like sitting in the park, but not every day. I want to do something useful. People around here, though, I think you're over 65. You're useless. The man
0: crossed him... ...and... True. Who are you kidding, girl? You're
1: no unless you can read. Tough problems call for real solutions, not just
2: talk. If your community has a problem, you need action. Action is skilled volunteers of all ages working together to help solve tough community problems. Write action, Department C, 212 North St. Paul Street, Dallas, Texas, 75201. Between us, there's got to be a solution.
1: This is a public service of this station and the Advertising Council. W-F-A-A, Dallas-Fort Worth. The CBS Radio
2: Mystery Theater presents... G. Marshall, time, that great mystery of time, the silent, never-resting thing called time, rolling, rushing on, swift, like an all-embracing ocean tide, on which we and all the universe swim, like apparitions, which are, and then are not. That's how Thomas Carlyle thought of the miracle of time. But there are people today who think of time a little differently. They see it as something without a beginning and without an end.
1: The whole block is just one big excavation, a big hole in the ground. Read that sign up there, Professor. The buildings formerly at this location have been demolished in order to make room for what will be known as the showplace of the nation, Radio City Music Hall. Radio City was built over 40 years ago. What's that? The good old 6th Avenue L. They tore that down back in 1938. There is no L. There hasn't been one in over 35 years. They tore it down and sold it for scrap. Professor, I think you need a little help. Maybe I do. But if what I think has happened has really happened then I'm either the luckiest man in the world or the most miserable.
2: (laughs) Our mystery drama, Time Killer, was especially written for the Mystery Theater by Arnold Moss and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by all state insurance companies and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One.
1: To the man who bought the Skyhawk, to the girl in the century, we're glad you like your Buicks, glad you set your
2: spirit free. And to the families of Ohio, to the folks of England, in-
1: century of yours is some car. Thanks, we like it. Yeah, and that tie you have on is really nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I see you have the V6 engine. Look at all that room. Uh-huh, isn't that something? Uh-huh. I'll tell you something else, it's something. Over 250,000 people have already bought 1976
0: we Re- I bet they're really nice people. D- do you think they'd like to come over for dinner?
2: All 250,000
1: of them? Well, I suppose
0: we'd have to borrow some folding chairs. you hey, wait your mother has a cup of coffee. It's nice
1: to the free spirit
3: in just about everyone. Hi, this is Tony Marvin for the National Leukemia Association. Please remember this name, Project Research. In addition to our other services which are supported separately, Project Research has been established to deliver that knockout punch against leukemia. I can also tell you that every dollar donated to Project Research will help support a doctor or researcher in the leukemia field. Join me and get on a winning team because it is only through research that a breakthrough can be made. Throw your knockout punch against leukemia. Send your tax-deductible donation today to Project Research, care of the National Leukemia Association, Box 3039, Garden City, New York. That's Box 3039, Garden City, New York. Our thanks to you for Project Research. We are committed to conquering leukemia.
2: Do you recall the ancient story of King Canute, who, in order to demonstrate his absolute power, commanded the ocean tides to stop? But the waves kept breaking relentlessly. Time and tide, he learned, wait for no man, not even a king. But is it conceivable that man, by force of some strange inner power, may one day be able to conquer both the tides and time? It started one day last year in December, just before the Christmas holidays. Professor Edwin Quaylen was giving his end-of-the-semester lecture at the university in his course in parapsychology.
1: The point, ladies and gentlemen, is that time can be just as elastic as space. If, for example, you were in space hovering over the surface of the Earth in some kind of huge helicopter and the Earth kept revolving beneath you, you could choose to land almost at random at any point on that surface. Now, in the same way, every period of time that ever was, that is, or for all we know ever will be, is out there someplace just waiting for us to put ourselves into it. Well, how do you suppose that'll happen, Professor Qualen? Some man or woman gifted with special, extraordinary sensibilities might even be someone in this very room will somehow, someday puncture a tiny hole in the wall of what up to now has been the impenetrable barrier to our physical and psychic senses. When that happens, and the time is near, the human race as we know it will be forever released from the bondage and fog-bound limitation of its own feeble making. All right, thank you. And, uh... Whether you're leaving New York City or staying right here, I want to wish all of you a very pleasant holiday and a happy new year. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Professor Quaylen, if you have a moment, I'd like to ask
1: a question. Oh, certainly, Clovis. Uh, Miss Mason, I hope I can answer it. Well, I'm almost
0: positive you can. I'm practically
1: starved. How soon do we eat? As soon as the rest of the class clears out.
0: Oh, I am really looking forward to these next few days with my favorite teacher, Professor Quaylen.
1: No more than I with my favorite graduate student, Clovis Mason. <laughs> Now, all we have to do is beat Princeton and tomorrow And that'll put us even in the league with Columbia
0: Well, what are the chances, Tubby
1: boy? <laughs> Pretty good If you don't mind my saying so, Tubby Aren't you up a little late with a game on <laughs> tomorrow night? Oh, you're right, Professor I lost track of the time Well, uh, thanks for inviting me over to your table, Clovis I hope I didn't interrupt some heavy discussion on uh, time or space <laughs>
0: Not at all, Tubby
1: Yeah, nice talking to you, Professor. Yes, uh, good luck the body beautiful, the brain non-existent.
0: That wasn't very nice of you practically asking him to leave. It
1: wasn't very nice of you. We're very discreet, for that matter, asking him over to our table.
0: Oh, well, what harm is there? Anyway, what do you care?
1: I wouldn't like you to cost me my job.
0: <laughs> You're really scared I might?
1: Well, you know how I feel about being so much older than you. And besides, I always get a little edgy and tense in a place like this. Ed. Uh,
0: Why don't you just relax?
1: I do try. You know that.
0: You keep telling me all the time about the self-discipline you learned in those 12 years you spent in the Himalayas. Where was it? Nepal? You know, 98% of the time, you're wonderful. Thank you. When you want to be, you can be the calmest, easiest, most charming man in the world. And such fun to be with.
1: Mm. And the other 2%? Well,
0: like now. Nervous, irrational, and... Sometimes a little scary. But you're improving every day. Well, I thank
1: you, ma'am. You know, sometimes I think it's a shame that we didn't keep prohibition.
0: Prohibition? What's that got I to, get... to do with
1: it? What's the word? I get so uptight in places like this. And in the old days, way before you were born. Actually, I was hardly more than a kid myself. There used to be wonderful little places, speakeasies. Where two people like you and me could go for a good dinner and a quiet, relaxed evening together and no noisy kids barging in on you? And discreet? Very. I'll
0: bet you'd like nothing better than to turn up in one of those joints, if that were still so possible. It is possible,
1: and they were not joints. As a matter of fact, maybe that's where I should have taken you tonight. You know, there are still one or two of them around. They keep up the appearance of how they used to be.
0: Well, why didn't we go to one of them?
1: I never really want to see the inside of one again. Ever. Really? At the same time, I... I have mixed feelings. Because I'd give almost anything if in some way I could follow up what once happened in one of them. A long time ago.
0: Follow up?
1: I've never told you about it for a very good reason. You see, one night... I met this character and things began to happen. Before I had the chance to find out what was really going on, I... I ran out on the whole thing.
0: I, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Oh, forget it. It's too long a story. But if I could ever...
0: S, yes. this, um, theory of time that you believe in so deeply, just suppose in some way you could prove it
1: actually works. Well, you know that someday it will. Uh, of course. And suppose... Suppose that I was the one who would prove my own theory correct? Person of particular sensitivity could more or less pick his own period of time?
0: And as well as place?
1: And deliberately project himself into it? Why not? Why not? Why not indeed? And when I do, I tell you that. Ed, put that glass down, you'll break it! Ed, what have you done?
0: You've broken the wine glass right in your hand.
1: Strangest coincidence. A coincidence? Oh, you're
0: bleeding. Here, let me tie my napkin around your fingers. Waiter. Waiter. Uh, is there anything I can do, Cole? Oh, Tubby. Uh, uh, he's had a little accident. Have, have you got your car here? Oh, sure thing. Uh, could you, would you give us a lift to his apartment? Well, of
1: course. Get out of here, the two of you. What? Leave me alone. Dad? I want to be alone. I'll take care of everything myself. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. Glover's and Tubby. no warning, I suddenly felt very dizzy. I found it hard to breathe. The whole restaurant started turning around me like a a huge spinning top. Somebody loosened my tie and gave me a drink of water. The next thing I knew, I was walking up Fifth Avenue somewhere in the 50s. Without thinking, I automatically turned west into 52nd Street. In minutes, I was standing in front of a darkened door, ringing a bell. It had always been one of my favorite hangouts back in the old days. A peephole and the door opened and I appeared. The peephole closed. There was a pause. The door opened. Well, evening, Mr. Quaylen. Ain't seen you in some time. Why? I've been a little busy. Yeah. Oh, good crowd tonight? Oh, can't complain. Why the peephole? Can't be too careful, Mr. Quaylen. Yeah. You know that? Not these days. Hey, make yourself at home. Uh, anybody sitting here? Oh, uh, yours, brother. Help yourself. Uh, what'll it be, Mr. Quailin? The regular? Yeah, please. Vodka and tonic. What'd you say? Vodka and, and, and what? That's the way it was. Vodka and tonic. Is that something new? Some some kind of a <laughs> a Russian drink? What's the gag, Luigi? Gag? It's nothing. Only, only, your regular is an orange blossom. Sometimes you switch to a Bronx cocktail. Orange? orange. What's Oh, yes, of course. Uh, bring me an orange blossom. Make mine another Brock's cocktail, please. Okay, if this one's on me? I, uh, yes, I, I suppose so. Thank you. Okay. You just visiting our fair city? No, no, I'm uh, I'm a born and bred New Yorker, right here in Fun City. Fun City? <laughs> oh, that's a peach. I got to remember that. How about you? <laughs> well, I've been here three years, in the advertising game, name's Joe Delaney. Ed Quailin. Glad to know you. What's your racket? Racket? I'm a college professor. Oh. Come here often? Well, not as much as I used to. A lot of my drinking pals have died off. Oh, sorry to hear that. I used to be able to walk in here, meet three or four buddies, have a quiet drink. No arguments about should we stay in the U.N., should we leave the U.N. U.N.? United Nations. You mean the League of Nations? No, oh, no, I'm talking about the United Nations, Delaney, not the League of Nations. Hey, your drinks, gentlemen. Luigi's stuff is the best right off the boat. Off the boat? The wicker. I think he brings it in through Canada. That's very funny, Delaney. What's that? Well, you hardly seem old enough to have been around in the old days, and yet the way you talk, the phrases you use. I don't know. I, I really don't know. <laughs> funny seemed to be going on. I have the feeling of having seen all this before, even though it was all happening for the very first time. <laughs> Where'd you find that? That's a real real collector's item. Find what? A pack of cigarettes. I haven't seen one of those since... You remember, you know, with the war? The war? All the green packs of that brand, like the one you have there, were almost overnight put into white packs when the war started. They were? Sure. And they'll never write tunes like those old ones. To me, most of this new stuff is just so much noise. You can't even get a seat to the show that one comes from three months in advance. What, you mean they've revived it? Revived it? It's such a hit, they've cut the nerve to ask 4.40 for an orchestra ticket. 4.40? Really? Uh, things are kind of dead here. Uh, what do you say we toddle over to the Casablanca? I haven't been there in ages. Where is it? You don't know the Casablanca? Was it downtown? No, right over on 6th Avenue, under the L, number 1270, one flight up. The L? Come on, Ed. I think we can both use a little air. Uh, What's the damage, Luigi? Uh, here's the bad news, Mr. Delaney. Okay, here. Delaney, uh, you don't mind if I call you Joe? No. I hope you won't be offended if I tell you that some of the expressions you've been using are a little puzzling to me, a little peculiar. How so? Well, things like the advertising game. I haven't heard that in years. What's the damage? Toddle over to the Casablanca. I haven't heard anyone talk like that, and I can't remember. Now that you mention it, there are a couple of things you've been saying I find a little odd. No offense, of course. Like that first drink you ordered. uh, What was it? Uh, Vodka and what? Tonic. Fun City. United Nations, the war. The war has been over since 1918. This should change, Mr. Delaney. Oh, wait a minute. I don't believe it. Where did you get those bills, Luigi? I robbed a bank. Where do you think I got them? Where I get all of them, Mr. Quaylen, from customers like you. But the government withdrew those large-sized bills back in 1928. That's when they put out the smaller ones, like these. That's absolutely Amazing. But what are they anyway? Counterfeits. You ever see these little bills, Mr. Delaney? Is this another gag, Ed? Like trying to make us think you couldn't remember what kind of a drink an orange blossom is? What is this, Ed? That's what I intend to find out. Who can undo
2: what time hath done? Who can win back the wind? not an easy question to answer. Most of us acknowledge the idea that life is but a dream. We are not quite ready to accept the notion that time, too, may be nothing more than an illusion, which is what our friend Ed Quailin, professor of parapsychology, may or may not be about to discover. I'll return in a moment with Act Two. You want your to
0: be a No matter
4: what the weather's like outside, you can train the soul.
2: Carrier heat pump air conditioning. It cools your home in the summer, heats it in winter for up to half the cost of electric heat and less than most oil systems. So before you replace your old furnace or put in air conditioning, talk to your Carrier dealer about heat pump air conditioning. He's the expert. So make
0: summer a cooling thing.
2: of the clock, the running of the sand, day and night, summer and winter months, years, centuries, these are only the outward signs, the measure of time. As for the nature of time itself, Professor Quaylen, who seems to have little more in common with Joe Delaney than his taste for good whiskey, is about to find out. The House of Representatives has
1: just passed the measure by a vote of 211 to 105. It is
3: expected that the new law. Lo- uh-uh. But one moment, please. Please stand by for a special announcement.
1: What's that all about? Shh. Listen, maybe there's been a.
3: Break- I am reading from a special announcement that's just been handed to me from the newsroom. The body of Charles A. Lindbergh Jr., infant son of the great American hero Charles A. Lindbergh was found dead less than an hour ago. Missing since March 1st of this year, a continued search for the child, dead or alive, had, up to this evening, revealed nothing. Turn it off,
1: Luigi, please. In spite of the fact that $50,000 had been paid to the unknown kidnapper... What do you know? He paid the ransom and the kidnapper killed the kid anyway. Took two years to find the kidnapper. Two years? How? In 1934. 1934? Yes. Bruno Hoffman, a carpenter. He was brought to trial the next year in Flemington, New Jersey, I think it was, and found guilty of the crime. After that, they changed the law, the Lindbergh Kidnapping Law. Hold your horses, Ed. How do you know all this? What are you talking about? It was all in the papers. The Lindbergh Kidnapping is part of history. Sure, but you're talking about 1934. That's right, 1934. Ed, are you some kind... Luigi, mm-hmm. you happen to have today's paper? Or which one? The Mirror, the Journal American, the Herald Trip. I got them all. Any one of them. Hey, Mr. Delaney. Thank you. Now, Ed, will you please read the date on this paper? Today's paper. May, 1932. I've got a little headache. I'm going out for a breath of air. Let me go with you. You want to try that other place you spoke of, Joe? Casablanca. blanker. If it hasn't changed too much, I think you'll like it. Besides, I... The walk over there will do you good. Yes, it might. It might indeed. I should have got rid of him right then and there and gone home. But there was something fascinating about the whole idea of going along with him. Something challenging. Anyway, minutes after we left Luigi's... And no hat, Joe? No overcoat? This time of the year? What I need a coat for. Hmm. End of December? <laughs> I make it the middle of May, Ed. A pleasant spring night with even a touch of summer in the air. I mean, what am I doing with this heavy coat? Muffler, fur-lined gloves. Take them off. Carry your coat on your arm. I don't understand it. You'll be all right, Ed. Uh, just what is it you said you teach? Parapsychology. Or what? Parapsychology. The part of psychology that examines and tries to explain phenomena like clairvoyance, telepathy, ESP... ESP? Extrasensory perception. Would that be something like, uh, mind reading? Well, not exactly. There are people who can anticipate what's going on in someone else's mind days before the thing itself happens, even though the two of them are separated by hundreds of miles. Not fakes? Oh, definitely not fakes. I'll be your monkey's uncle. In fact, one of the things I've been working on is a new theory of time that says that past, present, and future are, in a sense, all one and the same. That a person without changing in any way himself might be able to introduce himself into any period of time that he chooses. How could that happen? Because time is not real. It's nothing but an idea that man has invented. All everything, Ed. Take a look at that. What is it? I told you I hadn't been here in almost a year. (laughs) I completely forgot. Forgot what? This is where the Casablanca used to be. Well, there's nothing here. All blocks and excavation. Just one big hole in the ground. Read that sign up there. Buildings formerly at this location have been demolished in order to make room for what will be known as Rockefeller Center. On this site will be built one of the most beautiful and modern theaters in the world to be known as Radio City Music Hall. But Radio City was built over 40 years ago. What's that? The good old 6th Avenue L. They tore that down the end of 1938. Take it easy. There is anything. no L. There hasn't been one in over 35 years. They tore it down and sold it for scrap. Professor, I think you need a little help. Maybe I do. But there's someone I have to tell about this. If what I think has happened has really happened, then I'm either the luckiest man in the world or the most miserable. I'm not sure which. Uh, Taxi? Taxi! I had the same dizzy feeling I'd had earlier in the evening. In fact, I'm almost certain that I blacked out right there in the cab. I can't be sure for how long. Then, before I knew what had happened, I was in Clovis' Greenwich Village apartment. Clovis, darling, I apologize for what happened earlier this evening.
0: Oh, I understand, Ed. You were more than a little wound up, and when that wine glass broke in your hand, you really lost control. I know, and I'm sorry. Oh, how is your hand? Oh, no, it's, it's
1: all right. It's fine. Clovis, listen. You are the only person in the world who can understand what happened.
0: What happened?
1: Yes, you remember I kept talking about the days of prohibition, the speakeasies. Uh huh. How I wished we could have gone back to one of them. So. Well, Clovis. That's where I've been. To a speakeasy. To a 1932 speakeasy.
0: What are you talking about? I
1: have been back to 1932.
0: I, I don't you. You
1: know that imaginary helicopter I keep using in my lectures? Yes? Hovering over the earth as the earth revolves beneath it. Of course. And how I keep saying that almost any day now, someone whose senses attuned to a fine sensitivity and who has the strength of will to want it to happen will make that helicopter land at almost any point in time that he wills.
0: Yes?
1: Clovis, I'm almost certain that I have done just that. I think I am that someone. What? Only I made one big mistake. I left too soon. I left Delaney standing there right under the 6th Avenue L in front of the excavation for Radio City Music Hall.
0: Ed, stop pacing around the room. Sit down, please. Don't
1: you see, Clovis, if I don't go back tonight... Look, I have to find Delaney again. It's, it's of the greatest importance. Why? Who? Who is this Delaney? The by himself, he's nothing. But meeting him again may be the answer to everything I've been searching for.
0: Take me with you, Ed. I want to go with you.
1: When the time is right, you'll come with me, Clovis. But not before. The night had become quite cold. There was a feeling of snow in the air. I pulled up my overcoat collar and started walking uptown. For a second or two I had the same whirling feeling I'd had earlier in the evening. This time I knew what it meant. I felt strangely excited, exhilarated, impatient for the thing to happen. Now, if I could only get myself to land at that exact point in time that I was looking for... Hey, where you been keeping yourself all this time, Mr. Quaylen? Long time no see. Oh, I've been away, Luigi. Out of the country, I bet, huh? huh? Something like that. Must be a good year, year and a half. Long as that? Well, the night they discovered the Lindbergh baby, I remember You You were here. That was was a year ago last uh, May, wasn't it? Yes, I guess so. And here we are with another new year practically knocking at the door. 1934. 1934. Yeah, well, at least one good thing after next week, Prohibition will be repealed and I can run an honest joint again. Luigi, you ever see that Mr. Delaney, the Joe Delaney? The big advertising man? Yes. <laughs> one of my regulars. Usually turns up around this time of the night. <laughs> I realized I had missed the exact point in time I had been aiming for. I'd overshot it by almost a year and a half. Instead of getting back to May 1932, I had landed into December 1933. I don't believe my eyes. My friend, the professor, right? Quigley, Quinn, something with a Q, correct? Quaylen, Ed Quaylen. Right, I'm Delaney. Yes, I remember. Joe Delaney. Advertising, account executive, right? What a memory. Where have you been keeping yourself all this time? Away, Can I buy you a drink? Why not? They didn't put you away, did they? <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Well, the last time you were here, the night we met, you were practically raving. Say some of the kookiest things. Like how they discovered the murderer of the Lindbergh baby. Well, here it is a year and a half later, and they still haven't found the guy. And then we walked over to 6th Avenue. You remember that? Very well. You kept giving out like some crazy mind reader how they were going to tear down the L, sell it for scrap. <laughs> <laughs> Delaney. Until I see you got over it. Listen to me, Delaney. Listen carefully. Uh, your drinks, gentlemen. We have begun to populate the space around the earth with men. You are a very sick man. Am I? You don't belong here. You belong in some kind of an asylum. You don't mind, Luigi? I'm taking my drink over to one of the tables. And if I were you, Luigi, I'd call an ambulance. Now just a minute. Take your crummy hands are off you me. You ignorant little huckster. Luigi. He's getting a little violent. You better throw him out before he loses control of him. What do you think you're doing? What's that broken? Don't you take another step toward me, Delaney. Not one step. You really are crazy. Yes. Yeah, stay where you are. What do you think you're threatening? Go! Go My dream. Push that broken bottle in the pipe. Pushed Delaney over. He hit his head. He's out cold. And his face and head are all covered with blood. I didn't mean to. But maybe you better send for a doctor. Mr. and you can't leave now. Don't try to follow me, any of you. Where are you going? Well, none of you will ever find me. Not if you were to live forever.
4: The world-famous
2: British philosopher... Alfred North Whitehead said some years ago Heaven knows what seeming nonsense may not tomorrow be demonstrated truth The miracle by which you now hear my voice began in the great mind and imagination of a man whose dream was at the start called childish and nonsensical a wild dream called radio I shall return shortly with Act Three. Moving on with the Allied spirit
0: Going to a brand new town
1: Yellow Pages
4: for the nearest Allied Van Lines agent. Hello, I'm Dolly Parton. Have you ever watched a weaver at his trade? Shuttles weaving faster and faster on the loom, creating a design where none has been before. And come to think of it, life's pattern is woven in just the same way. Born of many different threads, meeting, merging, spinning out the small fabric of our existence. The March of Dimes is trying to create a better fabric of life. Free from the tragedy of birth defects. A life which ensures every newborn the right to the most precious heritage of all. Good health at birth. Medical service programs, scientific research, public education, all are part of the March of Dimes fight against this number one health problem for our nation's children. But a weaver, any weaver, needs help along the way. And birth defects are forever unless you help. Help weave a tomorrow full of bright promise for our next generation. A tomorrow without handicaps at birth. Please, give to the March of Dimes. Thank you.
2: The tree that is seen is real enough for the sensation of the eye. The tree that is dreamed of is equally real for the person who's dreaming of it, as long as the dream lasts. But the tree that is seen and the tree that is dreamed of can never be the tree itself, the real tree. In the same way, the experience of time can be an illusion, something that's not quite real, something that exists, in the mind, alone. We join Professor Edwin Quaylen the following evening in the apartment of his young friend, Clovis Mason.
0: Will you stop fidgeting while I change this dressing on your hand? Whew, that's quite a cut you gave yourself last night in the restaurant. Is the
1: glass all out?
0: I I think so. Ed, after what happened that night in Luigi's place, that was when you took off for Nepal and the Himalayas? hmm
1: Inside of hours, I was on a freighter on my way out of the country. A couple of months later, I stumbled my way into that little village, 50, 60 miles maybe, northwest of Kathmandu.
0: Now, hold still, this may hurt. I...
1: People took me in as if I were wanted. Ow! That does hurt. I'm sorry. Anyway, in the next 12 years or so, I learned whatever I now know about myself.
0: And when you returned to the United States?
1: 1946. I was a much wiser man sensitive to the disciplines of concentration, of self-will, of the need to conquer time and space.
0: What about Delaney?
1: In all these years, I've never been back to Luigi's, not since that horrible night in 1934. Place is still there, of course.
0: I know, but you're not answering my question.
1: Delaney, I think I killed him, Clovis. That's why I ran away. I see. And the knowledge that I may be a murderer a killer has been haunting me all my life and now that I that I have this power to will myself back into the past the way I did tonight I'm going to find out what really happened to Delaney
0: I understand
1: but you're not quite sure is that it? well I intend to find out I've got to find out about Delaney anything's possible
0: that does it. now try to keep the dressing clean one question yes when you go back this time... I
1: expect to prove several things. For one, here in the year 1976, I am the respected Professor Edwin Quaylen, Ph.D. On another plateau of time, it, it could turn out that I have killed a man. And if I have... Are you expecting someone? No. Uh, who is it? It's me, Toppy. I came to return that psychology paper I borrowed. I'll get rid of him real fast. Oh, boy, is it ever freezing outside. It's colder than... Oh, well, excuse me, Professor Qu- uh, Quayline, I didn't see you. Tubby. Uh Here's the paper, Clovis. I hope it helps. <laughs> it sure did. How's the team doing, Tabe? Well, so far, no complaints. Of course, a lot will depend on what happens tomorrow night. Oh, I'm sure of the... <clears throat> Clovis, you can have a glass of water, please. Right away. Well, uh, uh, What's wrong, Professor? Anything I can do? You no, know, I'll, I'll be all right in a minute. Here,
0: here, here's your water. Oh, thank you, what happened?
1: I don't know. For just a second or two there, I just suddenly felt faint. I had a kind of buzzing in my head, a kind of high, whining sound. Everything about me started to vibrate. I'm all right now, though. You're sure there's nothing I can do? No, no, thank you. Well, then, uh, guess I'll be going. I'm sorry about tomorrow night, Tubby. Uh, tomorrow night? Yes, the game.
0: What about the game? What are you sorry about?
1: To lose such an important game by one measly little point. What? In just the last eight seconds of play. Uh, uh, I don't think I follow you, Professor. The no. game, tomorrow night, 97 to 96, their favor.
0: But, Ed, they won't be playing until tomorrow night, 24
1: hours from now. That's quite true, isn't it? Oh. Uh... You uh, yeah. if you'll excuse me, I, I think I have to be going. You, you sure you're okay, Professor? Yes, I think so, Tubby. 97 to 96? <laughs> that can't be. It just can't.
3: This has been one of the most exciting games in the entire conference. The score has been
1: seesawing back and forth all evening. With less than 15 seconds left, the home
3: team is still leading by just a single point. 96 to 95. Oh, 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 oh. Red Summers has just got hold of the ball.
0: We're ahead, Ed. I'm so glad you're Turn. wrong.
3: He pivots. He passes it to Tubby Samartino. Tubby shoots. Oh, no, no. It just misses the basket. It. Tex Goldberg picks it up for the other team. Dribbles it to the other side of the court with almost no interference. He shoots. And it's in. Oh. The score is 97 to 96, high favor. That's
0: what you said.
3: That wraps up the game. The home team has lost by a
1: single heartbreaking point, 97 to 96. And with a conclusion of this Ed. Yes?
0: How did you know? How tonight's game would turn out?
1: I'm not altogether sure. It just sort of came to me.
0: How? When?
1: I guess it was when I... When I got that dizzy spell. Clovis. What is it? Clovis, could this possibly mean that I've actually done it? That I've gone ahead in time? You know how I've always said that imagination is the beginning of all creation. Lesson
0: number one in your course.
1: That you imagine, you conceive the thing you desire. That the next step is to will. To make happen the thing that you imagine. And in the end, to actually create what you will.
0: Until last night, you thought you had succeeded only part of the
1: way. Until last night, I wasn't 100% sure. I had been able, I am able, to will myself into the past. But last night, I think I completed the cycle. That, that silly basketball game was a kind of test. Test? Yes, I was up there for the briefest moment in that imaginary plane I keep talking about. And I looked down on everything. The past, the present... And the future. Exactly. I was there, Clovis, during those last eight seconds of the game. My body was here in this room, but I was also at that game. Tonight's game, 24 hours before they actually played it. I saw it all happen. And now what? They say a criminal always returns to the scene of his crime. Tonight, I'm going to try to go forward in time and visit the same place.
0: Well, what are you doing with that gun?
1: I'm taking it with me. It may be needed. Oh,
0: please, Ed, don't do anything foolish.
1: I won't. I give you my solemn word. I left Clovis' apartment and started walking. I can't recall which way I was going. Toward the river, I think. Then, just as it had happened before, I heard that weird ringing in my ears. Everything got blurred before my eyes. The next thing I knew, I was sitting on a stool at the bar in Luigi's. Here you are, sir. Your drink. Thank you. Uh, bartender? Yes, sir? I'm curious about this place. Has it been here long? Luigi? Hmm. I thought everyone knew about Luigi. He's been here since the 1920s. That's all. So. Mm. Well, is there, uh... Was there ever an actual uh, Luigi? Oh, indeed there was, sir. Luigi was sort of an institution by himself. He died only last year. That's his obituary up there over the bar. December 25, 1978 great man. He died this past December 1978. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day three, four months ago. Sad day for all of us. For all his friends. Evening, Roger. A little windy tonight. Oh, good evening, sir. A regular? Thank you. Mind if I sit here? Oh, I'll yourself. So. Some wind out there tonight. You visiting our fair city? No, not really. I work here. That's so... Yes, I'm a teacher. College professor. Now, that is funny. The minute I sat down, I said to myself, I'll bet a dollar that gentleman's a college professor. (laughs) Does it stick out that much? Economics, I'll bet. No, no, not even close. Psychology. Psychology? That's very interesting. You come here to Luigi's often? No, I haven't been here since... Oh, I can't remember when. Interesting history, this place. If these walls could talk. Yes, Yes, sir. This place has seen just about everyone and everything. U.S. presidents, foreign dignitaries, movie stars, murderers. Murderers? A man was killed right here at this same spot we're sitting at. Back in the 30s. A man was killed? Never found the fellow who did it. Disappeared that same night into thin air. One of the great unsolved mysteries of the police department. That's all. What, uh... What did the victim, this Delaney, actually die of? A fractured skull. You see, as he fell down... Excuse me, sir. Did you just say Delaney? Yes, the name of the man who was killed. How did you know his name was Delaney? Well, oh, you just said so. No, no, I did not. I mentioned no name. Well, that's funny. I thought you had. I guess maybe I had read about it at one time, and the name just stuck in my memory. Of course. By the way, what did you say your name was, Professor? Quaylen, Edwin Quaylen. I thought so. You thought so? Why? Do you know me? You have no idea how happy I am to meet you, Professor Quaylen. Now, wait a minute. What do you think you're doing? Putting handcuffs on you, Professor. You're under arrest. Are you out of your mind? Not quite. I'm a detective attached to the 17th precinct. I've been looking for you for a long long time, Professor. What's this all have to do with me? This is a double pleasure, a double satisfaction. Your drink, Mr. Delaney. Thank you, Roger. Delaney? Yes, I'm Vincent Delaney. You see, Professor, the man you killed, Joe Delaney, was my father. And that's why you'll never get me. Never. Wait a minute. What's happening? Where are you? No, no. Roger, have I gone out of my mind? Did you see what I saw? I, 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 I don't believe it. He vanished. disintegrated it, right in front of our eyes. And the craziest thing, he took my handcuffs with him wherever he went. And if they think for one minute that I'm going to live out the next three years just waiting for them to catch up with me...
0: Ed, what are you doing with that gun?
1: Put it down. I will not spend the rest of my life in jail.
0: Give me that gun, Ed.
1: Go ahead. Open it, Clovis. Open it. I'm going into the bedroom. Oh, hi, Clovis. I was wondering if you and Professor Quaylan might like to be my guests.
0: Guests?
1: Yeah, yeah, at next Saturday night's game. I, uh, <laughs> I get two complimentary tickets to every game. <gasps>
0: no. Oh, dear Lord in heaven, no. According
1: to the police, still no explanation for the fact that locked onto to the right wrist of the body of Professor Edwin Quaylen was one half of a new type of police handcuff. The other half was dangling free. What puzzles the police authorities even
3: more is the serial number of the handcuffs. The number QX152964 will belong to a new model that the
1: police are contemplating purchasing at some time in the future. They do not anticipate that this new type of handcuff will be in production much before the end of 1978.
2: When Columbus, Magellan, the Phoenician navigators probed into the mysterious realms of the distant and the unknown... They hadn't the remotest idea that they were among the first to do away with distance and space. Once they were able to measure things, nothing was quite as immense as it was before. Nothing was too big to be firmly grasped by man's imagination. Even the idea of time. I'll return in a moment.
1: State asks, do you own a small business? Go over these questions with your present group health and life insurance agent. If your agent doesn't say yes to everyone, then talk to the good hands people. First question: Does your present major medical benefit keep on paying no matter how expensive the accident or illness becomes? If not, talk to the good hands people. Is your present plan designed to pay up to 95% of hospital expenses? If not... Talk to the good hands people. You're in good hands with Allstate. See your Allstate agent to find out what an Allstate plan costs, what is and isn't covered, including benefit reductions and terms under which insurance continues in force. Allstate insurance companies. Available in most states to businesses that qualify.
2: In his lecture, said that every period of time that ever was, is, or will be, is out there someplace waiting for us to put ourselves into it, if we wish. That some specially gifted person might one day penetrate the barrier of time and do what now seems impossible. Do you suppose that one of you, listening at this moment to my voice, might be the very one to do this? Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Rosemary Rice, Jackson Beck, Russell Horton, and Arnold Moss. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. He could be a criminal genius, but don't let his running away convince you. All children do that when they're caught in a crisis. Stewart has run away, and we have got to find him.
0: Just to find out, is he smart?
2: No, Miss Telford, to find his friends. He's the only lead. Surely I don't have to explain. What would the Pentagon pay for a disintegration beam? How many millions would an element transmuter be worth? If we could teleport, travel by mind alone, how powerful would we be? My goodness. Mr. Herod,
1: this professor's almost got me convinced. How about you? Mr. Warway, your caper makes us look like Piker's. Thanks for letting us cut in on you. We'll pay off.
2: We'll find that kid. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Allied Van Lines and Carrier Air Conditioning.